Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Guys being dudes. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon cup for five minutes. Whoa, we up too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. And we making money by the minute. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. Icon living. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Good morning and welcome to another Friday episode of the Draft Dudes. This is a very special Friday show because it is the last show of 2017. This is our first full year of Draft Dudes. By this time next month, we will have had our one-year anniversary of the show. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks for listening in and joining us as always. Uh, I'm the founder and director at NDT Scouting. I am an NFL and NFL draft analyst for FanRag Sports, and I am forever alone. Joe Marino, my co-host, is off again today. We're going to cut the guys some slack. He drove from Charlotte to Orlando uh, for the Camping World Bowl, which Oklahoma State beat Virginia Tech by a score of 30-21 to um, on Thursday night. So I figured I wasn't going to give Joe too hard of a time uh, I'll be giving him plenty of a hard time on next Monday's show once the AFC playoff picture uh, settles into place and we uh, we know for sure if Joe's beloved Bills finally end the playoff drought. Um, my gut's telling me no. But y'all are just going to have to check in on Monday and see how that, that goes as I welcome him back to the show with a, a strong initiation. Uh, yeah, today's Friday. Uh, today's also the day that we have what feels like the start of the primetime bowls. 
I mean, we have Ohio State and USC playing football tonight at 8.30, uh, which I am just stoked for. I think if you're looking at uh, the bowl docket in general, this bowl game is one of, if not eh, probably one of, we'll, just, we'll stick with one of, the greatest showcases of prospect talent that you're going to be able to find throughout the entire bowl circuit. You know, the playoff games are kind of the exception here where you've got perennial heavy hitters everywhere you look. So, Ohio State and USC is a game I'm very much looking forward to live tweeting. You can follow along at NDT Scouting. I will be giving you my thoughts on that game as it transpires, which is something I uh, wish I had the time to do more now. If you follow me in season, you'll know uh, I'm very into live tweeting games, but we're at that point in the season where uh, I'm writing player reports and I'm, I'm studying players and kind of the games just on in the background, so I don't have the opportunity to devote as much of my time and attention to the game unless I'm specifically scouting the game, which uh, uh, lucky enough for me, this this game is one that I've drawn on assignment for NDT Scouting, so uh, I will be live tweeting the game. It will have my undivided attention as it should have your undivided attention. What I want to talk about today is a couple things. Uh, we've had some underclassmen declarations that I think are worthy of discussion. Uh, some interesting dynamics in play uh, with some of these guys. Uh, also, I want to talk about a couple things that grind my gears. Some some generalities and in, in draft conversation that I think we could be better about understanding what that means and. I just want to take some time and, and speak on both of those things, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy my point of view on the matter. So let's start with the declaration of Nebraska quarterback Tanner Lee. This, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you pull up Tanner Lee's profile at the, uh, the Nebraska website, and his career accomplishments according to Nebraska's website for this player, is was the 2016 scout team MVP. Now, Tanner Lee did start 12 games uh, for the Nebraska Cornhuskers this year, but it's odd to me that you go back to as early as like week three last year, and I had people asking me about Tanner Lee as a draft prospect. And, you know, he Tanner Lee was at Tulane and then transferred over. And, no, he, he hadn't really established himself as the starter at Nebraska. And people are already asking about him leaving. And he's uh, first off the bus, like, passes the eyeball test. He's 6'4", 220, big arm. Like, yeah, cool. And I think it's it's interesting that you look at what has so many people excited about Josh Allen and Tanner Lee doesn't have that live of an arm he doesn't have that same really rare arm strength Tanner Lee's not as good extending plays in the pocket Tanner Lee's actually quite subpar 
at extending plays. He's more of a traditional drop-back passer. But they fit the same archetype as far as, like, old heads in the NFL you would think would like this guy because he's a drop-back passer. He's played in an offense that requires him to take snaps under center and turn around and hand the ball off and play action and a lot of a lot of deep shots off of his play action and NFL route concepts where he's he's having to throw with timing. My problem is he's just not that good. Where Tanner Lee, uh, Tanner Lee is a drop back passer. Um, he'll miss guys on a swing route by a good two yards of, of ball placement behind the receiver. Have the the ball hit the receiver in the head get tipped up, be intercepted, and run back the other way for a touchdown. You go back and watch Tanner Lee in Nebraska play Oregon in the first couple weeks of this season. I think, he, I think he finished with four interceptions, but he should have had eight. Like, it was really ugly, and it's just a litany of issues from the arm accuracy is not good, the decision-making can be poor. He's misdiagnosing man and zone coverage and literally throwing right into a guy's face mask. I don't think he's thrown uh, for greater than 56% completion in any season in his entire career. And I'm just curious. You know, I understand. Uh, Josh Rosen made a lot of noise when he talked about players sitting out bowl games and and why players decide to leave early and what motivations they may have for leaving early and sitting out a bowl game. I get it. Everybody's kind of everybody's kind of got their own motivations for electing to leave and and Tanner Lee is a redshirt junior, so he has technically had his four-year college experience if he's ready to move on great. But I just feel like somebody like Tanner is doing himself a disservice because his on-the-field resume is not good. And it was his first year at this program, first year starting. And instead of getting that year of continuity and that year having worked with everyone before he shifts his focus to the NFL, uh, he does his transfer year. He can't play. I guess he kind of gets to know everybody that way. And then he packs his bag and he leaves. And it just feels like if you're serious about a career in the NFL, to some degree you have to have a franchise that's willing to invest in you to some degree. Because if you go out you get undrafted, you are automatically just thrown into that 90% of the player pool that gets churned constantly. Nobody cares if you're a, an undrafted free agent unless they absolutely fall in love with you. You're going to have to make them want to keep you on the 53-man roster because if you're on the practice squad, hey, you're fair game. You'll get signed away. You'll get bounced around, uh, and you'll have to wait your turn with, with injuries and other, other things before you get your opportunity to get on the field. And getting on the field is how you stay on the field. So... I, I guess Tanner has his own motivations for leaving. I just think if he's serious about a career in the NFL, he's not doing himself a very good service because I look at the quarterback crop 
And there's a lot of guys I'd rather have than Tanner Lee. So now that that's off my chest, I do want to talk about a quarterback that I did like. Um, I watched Kurt Banker last night. You know, Joe's at the Camping World Bowl. Uh, I am bouncing back and forth between the bowl game and Virginia game tape, watching Kurt Banker. Banker's somebody who's going to the Senior Bowl. I also had the opportunity to watch him play in Louisville this past fall. It was early November. And uh, Banker looked oh, pretty pretty solid in that game. And that's, uh, that's a trend that you'll see when you watch his tape where he doesn't look great. I'm not falling in love with him. I don't think he's a, a day one starter. But if you're looking for a couple of like the intangible tools that a quarterback's supposed to have, I think Bankert has a lot of those things. Uh, his toughness is super impressive. He is tough as nails. He stands in there in the pocket. He stares down interior gap blitzes from linebackers, and he knows that he's going to get blown up. But he stands in there tough. He waits for that route to develop and uncover. He gets it out at the last second. There's a play against Miami. I tweeted this one out if you go over to my Twitter feed. He's a tough SOB. I mean, he took a shot right in the face. Uh, But it was a third down inside his own 15-yard line, and he holds the ball, holds the ball, holds the ball. He waits, gets it out just in the nick of time. Big third down conversion as as Virginia attempted to knock off unsuccessfully uh, the Miami Hurricanes. So, Bankert did not have a good showing in the bowl game, but this is hardly the first time this year that Bankert hasn't had a lot of help. He's a little bit handcuffed because uh, I don't see guys that can win with consistency on the boundary. Uh, They don't have a great running attack. So uh, there's not too much there for Banker to work with. And as a result, he's forced to try and be the catalyst that makes a lot of things happen with guys that he might not necessarily want to be trusting in a 50-50 ball situation. I kind of liken it to what Carson Wentz was like last year in Philadelphia, what you're seeing with Mitch Trubisky this year in Chicago, where the boundary weapons just aren't there. But from a mental processing perspective, a decision-making perspective, Bankert's making the right call with the football. It's just the, the talent level... And some mistakes of his own. You know, I don't want to absolve him again because I don't think this is a a guy that I would tag to come in and be a starter as a rookie. Uh, It's just not on the same page. So what are the issues with Banker? Banker, well, he's he's listed, I believe, 6'2", 215. So he's got the needed size, but he's got to come in there and check in there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't think he has the best frame. He's a little lean. He looks a little small in the pocket. But I think he passes threshold, so I'm not going to bang him up too much there. For me, his biggest issue is his feet. His feet, he is really light and springy on his feet in the pocket to sidestep pass rushers. But when he gets into those situations, there's times where he fails to reset his feet and get his feet square to his target again. And when that happens, you'll see his accuracy break down. 
Uh, the ball might get away from him high. He might push it when he's trying to throw. So he's got the needed athletic ability and foot speed to avoid rushers successfully. But you do see this inconsistency with him where as he avoids a rush and sidesteps, the mechanics and his base breaks down a little bit, and that leads to some variance with his accuracy as a passer. Um, I do think he needs to also learn how to eat the ball a little bit more. You know, you're in the pocket. It's okay. A sack is a good play sometimes. If you don't have guys that are separating one-on-one, it's an early down and it's either first and ten or, like, second four, uh, it's okay to take the sack because that's where some of his, his poor decisions will show up when he's trying to avoid a sack, but he has the option to just eat the ball and live to play another down. Uh, I don't think ball security is necessarily an issue, but ball security is something where he's a little loose with it when he extends plays. So the the avenue is there for ball security to become a problem. But if you put those things on the table, you acknowledge that they're there, and then you look at the rest of what Bankard has to offer, he's got a live arm in short and intermediate areas. He can push the ball down the field with some success. Uh, he gets over the top of of coverage with success. He's got enough arm strength to do that. And I also really like his timing. He's a drop-back passer that does well once he's on the move or when the ball is out when his back foot hits the ground. He's not a guy you want holding the ball on his platform in the pocket, allowing a lot of deeper plays to develop down the field. It's not really his strength. But he is a player that I think if you meet the the perfect storm of an offensive system that will move the pocket and let him be a quick decision maker, and it's a team that's dedicated to being a run primary team in the grand scheme of how they want to call the game, I actually think he does have a little bit of upside as a potential uh, starter down the road. I don't think his ceiling's ever going to be very high, and I certainly don't think in, like, a Pittsburgh Steeler or Arizona Cardinal offense he's going to have a lot of value. But for teams that like to key in on the West Coast-type schemes and route concepts, and uh, he's, got, he's got some upside. It's not great upside, but he's got some upside. And finally today, the last thing that I do want to talk about I want to talk about what grinds my gears. There's a lot that grinds my gears. Let's be honest. I'm a grouchy old man here. Grouchy old 28-year-old. But one thing that I always think we as a community have a little bit of room to improve upon, and I do this myself sometimes, but I at least have the expectation that I know that I'm talking about in my own head when I say it. We're talking about day one, day two, or day three, guys. Well, what, what the hell is a day two guy? Obviously, besides a guy that you would pick in rounds two and round three. What are your expectations for that player? And I think there's a very easy way to simplify and dumb this down so that everybody's talking about the same things. 
Your round one players for me are guys that you have the expectation they can be cornerstone pieces of your franchise. They're players you're expecting to come in and start from day one. Or they're luxury picks for a deep roster. I think those are the parameters if you, if you want to just kind of boil guys down to day one, day two, day three. Day one guys, first round guys, guys you expect to be good and good early. Or if you're a deep team, you're preparing for the future. You're, you have a little bit more developmental wiggle room and forgiveness than what a bad team like the Cleveland Browns has uh, because they need guys that can play right away. So if I'm talking about day one, day two, day three, day one guys for me are their universal guys. They can play in almost any system, and they are going to be immediate contributors unless you're a very deep team making a luxury pick. Day two guys, in my opinion, day two guys are scheme-specific guys. These are guys that you are still hoping come in and contribute as a starter. Uh, but they are not universal players. And what do I mean by universal player? They cannot come into any offensive system. Kurt Benkert's a good example. He is not a universal quarterback prospect. Arizona's going to have him very low on their board relative to, say, what Kansas City would have if Kansas City didn't just take Patrick Mahomes and probably isn't going to be addressing quarterback position at all. I think scheme-specific guys that you would have aspirations rise to the occasion and step up. They're good college players with the opportunity to be a quality NFL starter. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu, Title Premium, 15 gigabytes, mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry, for a limited time, it's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com slash unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercials plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new line subject to credit and $30 activation fee speed. Maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. So if I'm a West Coast guy, I'm looking for that really crisp route runner. Uh, with run-after catchability. I'm looking for the, the accurate quarterback in short areas. It's okay that he might not have the biggest of arms. Uh, if I'm an offensive line coach and, and my team needs lateral quickness, we want to run some outside zone, uh, I'm not going to be taking a heavy-footed power gap-style offensive guard. And especially when that you consider the positional value there, uh, you're looking for fleet of foot guys that can turn you out, work their hips across your face, uh, win body position. Uh, offensive linemen, it's always a, such a stark difference between the two because the guys that can do all of it are, are unicorns, and those are day one guys. A guy like Quentin Nelson can do it all. Day two guys, uh, Braden Smith, uh, Will Hernandez from UTEP, that guy's a straight gap power offensive guard he's never playing a a single rep of outside zone for my football team if I'm a coach because it's not what he does well so you get into day two guys rounds two and rounds three your expectation here is this is a guy I want to be able to plug in as a starter does it ever manifest that way not necessarily but you look at what the New Orleans Saints did 
and they got a day one guy in Ryan Ramchek, who could have come in and played right tackle for any off- uh, offensive line in the NFL. They got Marshawn Lattimore, who's a unicorn because he's got length and short area movement skills that you very rarely find in a single package. And then their t- day two guys, well, they brought in Alvin Kamara, who's more of a scheme specific. There's not a lot of teams, as much as we would like to give them the credit, there's not a lot of teams in the NFL that would be able to optimize Alvin Kamara the way the New Orleans Saints have. It's a perfect marriage. There's more teams than we would probably care to admit that are lining Alvin Kamara up in the backfield and just handing the ball off to him 15, 18 times a game. And he can still win that way. But he loses his specialness and his impact on the offense if you play him that way. Uh, I think New Orleans, Marcus, uh, Marcus Williams, the safety, uh, stepping in. Uh, they've got three safeties there, New Orleans does, but he's stepping in and playing in a starting role in that regard as well. Uh, Marcus Williams was a, a guy that I liked, but I wasn't particularly high on because I thought he was somewhat limited. Well, New Orleans has taken this guy and put him into this role, into this defense that stays true to what he does best. So he's not a universal prospect. He's a scheme-specific guy. So I think the Saints are a really good case study for, like, if you want expectations for day one, day two, day three, look at the Saints draft class. And there you go. Because you got unicorns in round one. You got scheme-specific guys that you cater to their strengths in round two or in day two. And then day three is depth, development, high-risk investments that, that result in much lower skin in the game for you as a decision maker. You know, if, if your fourth round pick busts out and uh, whether that's health or off the field issues, who cares? It's a, it's a fourth round pick. 90% of them are out of the league in three years anyway. That's a made up number. Do not quote me there. But you get my point. I digress. Uh, the, the risk... The day three is the time to roll the dice. Now, if you're worried about a PR nightmare, you might not touch a guy at all. You may just be content to let him go by the wayside and try and sign him on an unrestricted free agent deal. But developmental guys, guys that have traits, the Kurt Bankerts. No, he's he's not a universal prospect, so so day one's off the table. I don't think you're expecting him to come in and start, so day two's off the table too. So now you got day three. Okay, this guy would fit our offense. We really like some of the traits. He's got to work on his technique and, and his footwork and uh, some decision-making under pressure. Yeah, you know what? I think round four, round five, that makes sense for a guy like that. Put yourself into those expectations because I hear guys throw around day one. Well, what's day one mean to you? What does day two mean to you? It's just you you like him, but you don't like him enough to, to draft him in round one, so you're going to call him just a day two guy, and that's your, your default? Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm on a soapbox here or, or calling anybody out, because it's definitely not what I'm doing. It's just something that as more and more people, which I absolutely love, get involved in this conversation around the draft... It's something that bears remembering that not everybody's talking the same language even though they're using the same verbiage. I am going to step down off the soapbox. 
you guys have listened to me ramble on for about 25 minutes now. And if you go back to Wednesday, you've listened to me ramble on for about 50 minutes now, nonstop. No Joe to give you a break. So I apologize. I thank you for your patience. And I'd also like to thank you guys for listening. You know, this has kind of been fun to get in the pilot's chair and uh, not have any cool pilot to boss me around in the pre-show and tell me what to do. And uh, <laughs> uh, Joe's, Joe's going to let me hear about that one. This show, it's been so much fun to let it materialize into something that's so casual that I can be driving to the gym, which is what I'm doing right now. It's uh, 5 o'clock a.m. on Friday morning. I am so casual, I can sit in the car and just speak with you guys candidly about things that, you know, as I'm working through my list, kind of come to my mind. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the podcast, because when we first started, Joe and I, it was was scary. A podcast can be a scary thing. You are putting yourself out there for whoever in the world wants to listen to you. And we're so thankful for all of you that, that have subscribed to the show or even just drop in every once in a while. We prefer if you subscribe, but even if you just drop in every once in a while, um, we, we've become, it's just become part of uh, the natural process that we do on a week-to-week basis. It's part of our weekly routine. And uh, no, maybe we aren't as strict carving out the times as we, we used to be when we first started Draft Dudes. Uh, but I actually think in some ways this conversation style that that it's just a natural sharing of thoughts I think can be a really cool way for us to expose ourselves to you guys the listeners I hope you guys enjoy what is going to be an awesome slate of football this weekend by the time we talk to you next on Monday we'll be prepping for college football playoff so that is a very very exciting Uh, prospect as we dig into some of the juiciest games that remain and some of the juiciest games we'll get all year long. I am Kyle Krabs. I am signing off. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your weekend and a happy, happy new year to you. It's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.